You're listening to episode two of the Architecture and Anthropocene podcast brought to you by Triennale Milano, Italy's foremost institution for design and contemporary culture, with me, David Pleasant. Each episode will be bringing you some of the thoughts and insights of the architects, designers, urbanists and a sound artist that have all passed through the Triennale's doors here in Milan. Our second guest is British-Israeli architect and academic A.L. Weizmann. Weizmann has gone about creating a whole new discipline, that of forensic architecture, and in 2010 founded a research agency by that very name. Weizmann uses architectural techniques to investigate cases of state violence and violations of human rights around the world. I spoke to him about the inevitable politicisation of his work and how we shouldn't distinguish between the effects of conflict and natural disasters. Ail Weisman, thank you very much for joining us. Could you maybe introduce forensic architecture? Maybe we could put the forensic microscope on, on how it started. Forensic architecture started around 2010, initially as a research program and subsequently as an agency providing evidence to international prosecutors, human rights organizations, courts, uh, national and international. Um, What we do, what forensic architecture is, is mobilizing the tools and techniques of architecture, those very design tools and techniques that every designer is employing, uh, as investigative analytical device that allow us to unpack incidents and maybe also long-term urban and environmental processes and provide the kind of evidence that uh, other frameworks, evidentiary or investigative frameworks, cannot. So we know that uh, investigative journalists are pretty apt at um, researching documents. Uh, We know that economists could unpack economical processes. But when the built environment is so much at the center of human activity these days, it is really through a very deep and thoughtful analysis of architectural details of uh, situations and organizations of people in media in space that we can unpack things that other people cannot see. Architecture is traditionally very much associated with the, the social, the political, the artistic, but this kind of more scientific, uh, investigative, forensic function, many people wouldn't associate it with that. So maybe practically, how, how do you use the tool set that you have? So, I mean, there are many things, but what I can unpack in particular are a use of models, of architectural models, something that we called operative models. Uh, An operative model for us is not a model that represents something that will be in the future, but an investigative one, perhaps closer to how you think about a mathematical model, a scientific model, a model of thought, that allow us to experiment with possible scenarios. So an operative model, for example, we were researching uh, the involvement of the German Secret Service 
in neo-Nazi violence in Germany. And indeed, there were members of that service that were sympathetic to neo-Nazis. And in particular, we were looking at a murder that happened in an internet cafe uh, where at the back of the shop, at the time of the murder, a German Secret Service agent was present. And the question was, why was he there? And how, as he has, could he have left the shop without noticing the, the, the victim? without hearing the gunshot or smelling it. So we have created a one-to-one model of that shop. We've built everything that was in this shop, every table, every poster that was on the wall, the ashtray, the computers that were in the internet cafe, and worked with actors to simulate all possible scenarios. And the possible scenarios were really determined by the login, logouts on the computer. Because between us, if you want to choose a place to, to murder somebody, don't do it in an internet cafe where all your witnesses are. Uh, in fact, their activity is, is completely sort of recorded by the computer. So that's a physical operative model. Sometimes we use models to simulate the fluid dynamics. Say we want to know if um, here or in that particular situation also, if uh, somebody could have smelled a gunpowder we would use a model to simulate the fluid dynamic of smell according to the temperature and and air dynamics in the room. We use models in other situations, say when we are analyzing bombings in Yemen, in Syria, in Palestine. There's a lot of material that we find on social media. These are unverified uh, but extremely useful bits of clips and images that people upload of, of, a, of an attack or its immediate aftermath. In order to know where we are, in order to compose a scene, we would build a 3D model and we would match each one of those photographs in space and time. And the model becomes for us a way of seeing. It's a way of synthesizing all this media together and navigating between one bit of video and another. Navigation, spatial navigation, is our way of understanding the relationship between bits of different clips. You know, So if traditionally we thought about the relationship between different bits of footage as in the montage, as an edit, you splice them together and put them in a linear sequence, we look at those uh, navigational spaces and and you know there are many more examples we use models operatively to help people recall things witnesses traumatized witnesses that are asked sometimes in court to describe the the, the most horrific moment in their lives right mm-hmm. I mean, if it is uh, of evidentiary importance uh, they need to describe the death of loved ones or something horrific they've seen sometimes the memory protects people and uh, people have a sort of a black hole, a lacuna, if you like, precisely at the most important bit of the testimony. But if you locate them in space, sometimes in VR, using VR goggles, or sometimes um, just in front of a screen, sometimes the very presence, the represencing of that experience allow memory to come back. So here you have a use of an architectural model in order to recollect as a mnemonic device, if you like. So there is definitely a repurposing of uh, traditional kind of uh, architectural techniques. Also, I should say, very importantly, 
when you are presenting in court and you present models and you put a physical model in court in front of judges, everybody has to assemble around this model. The model becomes the medium through which the discussion and the legal process is actually undertaken. Uh, so you have an architectural intervention, if you like, within judicial protocols. I wanted to ask you one, one uh, further point on that. Obviously, the gathering of data, evidence, modelling is one part. Do you feel in today's kind of climate, in fact, hard evidence isn't, isn't enough sometimes? It's not enough to really make sure justice is done. Do you feel like that's only half of your mission? Is the other half the communication of, of that data, of, of those findings? Yeah, absolutely. I think that today, more than ever, truth is a kind of a battlefield. Narratives around armed conflict or um, police violence or racially motivated violence is always contested. In fact, almost by definition, evidence is that which come to contestation. Evidence is not proof. It is an argument. It is a kind of, you, you, you throw your hat into the ring. You say, here is what I think has happened. You have to face cross-interrogation, in either in a court situation, in a parliament, or indeed in the media or in a Twitter sphere when people are, are, are attacking you. And you have been kind of blamed for, for, for taking sides in some, some way. Would you agree? Does that happen? Uh, we, 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 well, we, the kind of thing we would enter, the kind of commissions that forensic architecture would take would only be on the side of victims. So uh, we do not take commissions from governments, uh, etc. So, yes, of course, um, our presence within this environment is absolutely for and with communities that are suffering the results of state violence. However... If we would find within a case that we interrogate that the evidence does not line up with what our clients or stakeholders want them to be, we would still tell the truth. So we are committed to, to the truth in that matter. Mm -hmm. And there were several occasions where what we found was not what the victims expected us to find. And still, we've made that public. It's very important because we need to, um, we need to have credibility we need people to trust what it is um, that we are saying. However, we're not neutral between a killer and uh, their, its uh, victims. And I think that it is indeed, as you say, it is not enough to be able to tell the truth. The truth has to be made evident. It has to be made visible. It has to enter into multiple fora or forums of public visibility, such as courts are only good for one sort of slice, if you like, of human activity, sometimes we present in parliaments, in truth commissions, and increasingly we present also in art and cultural institutions, uh, which we repurpose as a kind of evidentiary forums. And when we are invited at the ICA in London or at the Tate or now at the Whitney to, to present things, we would always make an argument for a piece of truth that we think is occluded uh, and needs to be discussed. And we'll put the evidence out there and we'll be absolutely ready for uh, the counterattack. And talking of that kind of involvement in uh, cultural institutions and, and, and forums, maybe we can turn to the Triennale's theme this year, Broken Nature and Designs. 
that take on human survival. I think that the elephant in the room is perhaps politics in that, whereby we are talking about the the natural world and, and the extinction of species and so on. But maybe you can bring in some takes on how you would go about designing for human survival in maybe that involves documenting or researching the current state of the human condition perhaps is that where you think your expertise comes into that spectrum that we're trying to discuss here would would you would you agree absolutely i think that um issues of climate change and environmental issues are intricately connected with economical and political context uh, we know that one of the greatest context for the destruction of environment is war and conflict uh, but still we, i think we don't speak enough about the entanglement of politics justice and climate change and i think that too often i hear things that are uh, incredibly vague in a sense of uh, simply saying let us look at you know a task for humanity no as if there is no conflict involved in that as if humanity is united in their interests as if they are not clashing interests in uh, in that matter and i think a place to start to look for the, those clashes are uh, in the history of colonialism because colonialism in the kind of high imperialism of the 19th century indeed already in the 18th century was a climate changing force uh, whenever a place was colonized whether it was desert it was made to bloom like mm-hmm. you know i come i'm israeli and i'm very familiar with a making the desert bloom kind of slogan but what is it if not climate change mobilized mm-hmm. for colonial purposes mm-hmm. or you know effectively draining the swamps uh, that we know today are incredibly important where incredibly important ecosystems that are gone in huge parts mm-hmm. of the world you know cutting the, the the rainforest etc so i would i would locate climate change really as as part of a struggle and start understanding it like that rather than depoliticizing it and and perhaps that's a, a place to to start about uh, thinking about how we live together and how we live together not only humans but how we live together humans and environments and um, uh, as a kind of an entire ecosystem That was founder and director of Forensic Architecture, Ail Weisman, talking to me, David Pleasant, for the Architecture and Anthropocene podcast, brought to you by Triennale Milano. You can download this and every episode of Architecture and Anthropocene by going to triennale.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.